example of what I mean. Like we need just good mm. Christian people yeah. to work. It's a really hard area. And um, again, these people are all in a bad situation of some kind or the other, right? Mm -hmm. People don't get involved with the law in a good, <laughs> because everything's good. Uh -huh. um, so I think there's just an extra need for, you know, care and concern for those people. All right, so today I have Dr. Baum joining me. Um, Dr. Linda Baum is a licensed psychologist and has served on the faculty at Regent for more than a decade. She obtained her master's and PhD in clinical psychology at Kent State University. Uh, in addition to the typical clinical curriculum, she focused on developing skills in assessment, forensic psychology, and teaching. Dr. Baum moved to Virginia to complete a pre-doctoral internship as well as a postdoctoral fellowship at Eastern Virginia Medical School. She additionally completed forensic evaluator training at the Institute of Law, Psychiatry, and Public Policy. Dr. Baum directs the Society uh, for Forensic and Assessment Psychology here at Regent, which is a research team that we'll kind of get into and talk about. Uh, first, just Dr. Baum, thanks for joining me today. Of course, thanks for having me. Good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon. So this is a, a series I kind of want to do with all of the faculty here at Regent. Um, so you're lucky to be the first one. Oh, I am. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good. I don't have to live up to any expectations. <laughs> exactly. And um, so if you could, can we just start, maybe tell us where it was that you got started? Where, where did your interest in psychology begin, just in general psychology? Uh, well, I mean, I guess it began my first semester in college. So I took a, a psychology course in high school uh -huh. and I don't know I enjoyed it but I didn't really think much of it I was a an aerospace engineer major going into college oh wow so um things changed pretty quickly once <laughs> <laughs> I got to college um you know I think just God I think psychology called me rather than me finding psychology, right? I mm. think that's what God kind of called me to do because I'm maybe gifted to that. So, um, yeah, I, you know, things kind of changed that first semester, not really based on uh, my interest so much. It's just kind of how things fell out. Well, what is it? So from an aerospace engineer to studying psychology, what is it that happened within that first semester? <laughs> That yeah. Sort of, yeah. So, I mean, I can say that, um, again, I think it was just God kind of working because, you know, my plan had been aerospace engineering for a long time. And uh -huh. um, in high school, I took, you know, all the, I took two physics classes and stuff. I was preparing kind of for that field. Mm -hmm. um, when I got to college, I had to take calculus and physics as to be on that major to be on that track right so i had to take those i had to take like an orientation class um and then you could pick like one class so the class i just picked was psychology uh -huh. and um it turned out you know that i was really struggling in the in the physics class math mm. wasn't too much of an interest in mine either but you know i was struggling with it and it turned out that my advisor put me in the wrong class. They put me in the physics class that you're supposed to have had calc in high school for. Oh. And I took advanced 
science and English in high school, but not advanced math. So I hadn't had the right class. So I was struggling because I wasn't in the right place. So I felt like it was kind of a God thing hmm. that, you know, kind of messed it up because I wasn't where I was supposed to, to be really. Um, but, you know, I think it's the same, the same kind of analytical stuff that I was interested in, in mm-hmm. engineering, that is still kind of what I like about psychology. Yeah. And so at what point did your, I guess I didn't even know about assessment being a clinical psychology thing until this program. Yeah. So at what point did you find out about the analytical side of psychology and pursue that? Yeah. I mean, I think that's typical. I think most students have that same experience. Um, And yeah, I didn't like take, we had a test and measures class in college, which I didn't take. I I didn't even think about taking it really, you know, Uh, I probably only knew it because I have a peer who's taken it, but um, it was really because I was planning. I did, um, it took me a while to, I knew I wanted to go into to grad school. I was on a research team that, that definitely encouraged those analytical skills. But, um, you know, in terms of assessment, um, once I decided that I was interested in corrections or forensic assessment, I started kind of looking at that area and that's where I learned really about assessment because that's so much of that work that um, it was just kind of a side effect, really. The Mm -hmm. learning about assessment prior to starting graduate school was a little bit of a side effect of being interested in forensics. And what got you interested in forensics? Um, I um, so freshman year, you know, I quickly not only, you know, changed my major, but my school wasn't going to be very good for psychology as a major. So I had to change schools too. <laughs> and, um, and so I go back home where, you know, my, my new school is more closer to home and go to church with my family. And in the, in the Sunday bulletin was, we need volunteers at the state psychiatric hospital if anybody oh. wants to go. And so I was like, great. I came home to do psychology. You know, my yeah. church is uh, giving me the opportunity. And so, yeah, I was working at the volunteering, not working, but volunteering at the state hospital where you, where I saw how important law was to the field. Right. Yeah. I didn't see, I think some people see more of the outpatient side of psychology first. Uh Um, and I really saw that, that inpatient side of things first, and they had a forensic unit, um, that I did volunteer on for a while. So, you know, that, that, that was where a lot of, where I saw the need, Mm. not that there aren't needs for other groups too, but I just felt like the worried well was not kind of where I could be most helpful. Uh I thought it was more with like serious mental illness with people that, you know, just really didn't have control over their situation at all. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And similarly, I I still, my idea of forensic psychology is quite vague. Okay. And so can you, you know, you, you talked about you saw the link between law and helping them. So can you talk about what that was like? Yeah, so because it was a state hospital, there are, you know, inpatient facilities that aren't state run. Hmm. And in those facilities, if you feel like you're ill and you feel like you're not safe and you want to check yourself in, right? You uh-huh. you can go get care. A state facility doesn't work that way. Like to get into a state facility, you have to legally be kind of required to go there. Okay. 
And it might have been precipitated by your interest, but you can't just walk up to the door and say, hey, can you can you help me? Right. Uh -huh. You'd have to get in through a legal kind of process. So everybody was there either because they were on a civil commitment, meaning they just needed general treatment, but they couldn't leave in their own free will because they had been civilly committed by by the court. Hmm. Or they were there because they committed a crime and they were there because the court said they need to be there for whatever, whether that was, you know, pre or post adjudication, that they had to be there uh, uh -huh. for a legal, a criminal legal matter. So everybody was there under some type of a legal requirement. Hmm. And so for those people who perhaps needed to be in a state run facility like that, you saw the need to um, maybe through assessment provide a means for them to get into facilities like that? Um, I don't know, get into facilities like that because they were already in there by the time mm -hmm. they got there, but certainly a need for assessment to determine the next step for them, right? So mm -hmm. it, a need for assessment to decide what the best course of treatment is so that they can actually be discharged at some point. Uh -huh. um, the need for assessment to decide if they are a risk to society, if if the criminal matter is so serious that you know they they need to be detained in some way hmm. um, or need treatment in some way so yeah it was more kind of the next okay. step because so many people were kind of like stuck in there right yeah like uh so what you said about if they wanted to get out they couldn't get out of their okay that makes exactly more sense. right uh -huh. there'd have to be some assessment to determine they can get out for that to uh -huh. and for for doing a set, so was that your primary maybe career experience um, moving forward after graduating from your PhD program? Did you work in inpatient facilities like that doing assessment or what was your, what was life like after graduation? Yeah, after graduation, I went straight to teaching. So I got a job offer at an inpatient hospital. I got a job offer at a read for a research position. Uh -huh. um, but I really knew that I, I went into grad school knowing I wanted to teach. Mm -hmm. So I, I turned those options down um, uh -huh. and took a part time teaching um, and kind of just praying or, or knowing that God would take care of it that <laughs> I didn't want to like be stuck in some job and then never get out or kind of miss my window to teach. Uh -huh. So I decided to just kind of gamble, assume that I could get something part time. Hmm. I did. I worked yeah. part time for a year or two. Lost track. Um, <laughs> and, th and then and then came to Regents full time. Okay. And so, okay, that's good to know. Now, what is it that what is it that brought you to Regent? Why Regent? Um, I think um, you know, there's a real need for for Christian providers mm. in this area. So, you know, a story I probably other folks have maybe heard already and are sick of hearing, maybe, maybe <laughs> I hope it's new to you, Daniel. Um, was I was doing forensic work, um, working in the courthouse and doing avals um in grad school. And um there was a young man, he was maybe, I don't know. 22 let's say so mm. he was a young man and he killed his child mm. and so it was a pretty you know difficult case for sure um like emotionally for me right like it's a yeah. difficult case yeah. and and i'm doing the evaluation with them and i need him to do what else an mmpi so i have him sit down to do the mmpi he's doing the bubbles right and i walk by and i think you know can i get you a glass of water or something you okay 
And I think he said, no, it, it doesn't matter, right? Um, but later in the day, someone else who worked in the office said, wow, that was so nice of you to offer him a glass of water. Mm-hmm. And I thought, no, like that's just, <laughs> he's a human. Like he's sitting there taking this long test. Yeah. You know, the RF wasn't out yet. It was the two, <laughs> the long one. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like just treating people like a human, mm. you know, regardless of what behavior brought them here. Uh-huh. So I think that's like a pretty classic example of what I mean. Like we need just mm. good Christian people yeah. to work. It's a really hard area. And um Again, these people are all in a bad situation of some kind or the other, right? Mm-hmm. People don't get involved with the law in a good, <laughs> because everything's good. Uh-huh. Um, so I think there's just an extra need for, you know, care and concern for those people. And and I feel like, you know, if I can teach a couple of you every year, I know not everybody's interested in, in forensics, but I feel like if I can teach a couple of you every year, that's going to have a wider spread than me helping a couple clients here mm. because you know it can be a pretty discouraging area too where you don't always feel like you're making a, a difference so um yeah i felt like teaching at a, at a christian program would would be the best way to again i feel like god really called me to this uh-huh. I, I i feel like that's the, the best way i can can serve yeah i you know you offering the drink of water just reminds me it reminds me of the what you do unto the least of these, my brethren, that you do. Unto, yeah, absolutely. And then, so that's, I think that's very easy to, especially working with that population, it's very easy to look at them and to like maybe your coworkers or your colleagues at the time, and you're like, what are you talking about? This is a human being. Like we need to. Um, and then I had a question about. So I remember when I was in the military. Um, there's this, there's this saying, I don't know, I think it's kind of cheesy, but especially nowadays in like peacetime, but I think it was Ronald Reagan. And he said that most people go their entire lives wondering whether they made a difference or not. The Marines don't have Mm. that problem. Mm. And I remember when I was in, I felt like, yeah, maybe the things I'm doing are making a difference on a large scale, but I want to make an individual differences where I can see (laughs) the differences being made in individuals. And so I wonder, um, it makes a lot of sense of what you say, like if you're a teacher and you have an influence and you help and teach people and then they go off into forensics and then they make the differences out, like, is that more, do you feel maybe a sense of, I don't know, like for me, it was, I want to see the individual difference. Do you ever feel like that with, um, with not being out in the community and, and doing forensic work on your own. Does that make sense? It does. But like I said, I, I see, it's just my, um, what, what the difference I'm looking for is maybe different than how you envision that as a provider. But I see the difference every year at graduation Hmm. or, you know, I get emails all the time, people trying to get licensure or for whatever reason, getting update. Uh-huh. you know years and years later for someone that's graduated from the program and i hear about what they're, how they're serving their community so yeah. um, even when it's not through forensic means i think my service to the community mm-hmm. i can see as being way broader mm-hmm. um than in forensics which you know it's a pretty broken system mm. and so 
it'd be different if every client I worked with, I saw, you know, good progress, mm -hmm. but I was often met with, you know, not progress or, you know, in forensic work, there, you're not, um, you're not, the court's not ruling the way you think should be ruled or very often in forensics, you don't know what the outcome is, right? You send mm -hmm. your report in and you, they don't come back and tell you what happened with the case afterward. Oh, interesting. And so you don't need, you, you, do, you wouldn't necessarily, you know, I can feel in that moment, I did a good thing for that particular client who uh -huh. needed the water, you know, needed to be treated like a human, but, uh -huh. um, not the same way that like you see maybe in therapy where if you feel like consistently you do short term therapy and you see like actual goals being met that's very rewarding uh -huh. that you don't always see that yeah that makes you know? sense and with your analytical side did, did you ever have kind of a knack for therapy or did you ever were you like I'm, this isn't what i came here to do i know that uh, i'll do what i need to of it but i'm more interested in the assessment side um, no, I think I, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely was there more for research and assessment yeah. and learning to be a teacher. Like that's why I went to school, but no, I enjoyed the therapy side of it. I okay. think it's just, it is a little less rewarding for me. Like mm -hmm. I can run a statistical analysis and then there's the outcome, right? <laughs> yeah. Or I can be assigned an assessment. And I had this beautiful report. I have this outcome mm -hmm. for therapy. How many times did you go home with like, there was no outcome <laughs> today. I worked really hard and I, yeah. and I prayed and I, for my clients, I love my clients, but gosh, you don't even know if you did anything. I don't know if I did. Right. Yeah. So that's hard for me. Mm. You know, I think some people can live in that ambiguity better than me, uh -huh. but I'm better with, you know, analysis outcome. <laughs> and so therapy was just not as rewarding for me. But when it's rewarding, boy, it's rewarding, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that that was just as true for me as as I think anybody. Mm -hmm. Well, who in the field of psychology, did you have any kind of role models or people you looked up to or you just tried to read every book they wrote or I don't know? Um, I mean, obviously, my mentors in the assessment field are mm -hmm are huge. So I worked directly with Jack Graham and Yosef Emporef and, yeah. and Bob Archer and Rick Hansel and um, John McNulty, right? So there are a lot of people that I worked with directly that obviously had the hugest influence on me. But I think, you know, someone that I didn't work with as directly is Aka Telegan. Um, he's just an amazing um, person. And um, and I think his not work specifically in terms of reading everything he read, but just him as a as a model. I think. What's his name? Akatelegan. He's one of the authors of the MMPI, but okay, he's kind of like the kind of the generation before okay. the folks that I work more closely with. Yeah. Um, and then so. You have, can I ask um, personally, it's kind of more of a personal question, Yeah. but I see there, I think your generation kind of paved the way for our generation. Now there's a lot of women like my wife who um, we're thinking about having children, but also oh, we're either in grad school and it's going to be a busy time or right when we're done with grad school, it's going to be a busy time. And then 
It's like a, and then, you know, some women choose to uh, do away with work for a while where they stay home or maybe go to a part-time. Um, what was that? What was it like for you being a, a wife and a mother and a professional and a teacher? And how did you kind of juggle all of that? Or do you have any advice to the upcoming generation? Yeah, that's, it's a, it's a hard thing for sure. Um, and for dads too, right? Yeah, Not yeah. just moms. It's a hard um, decision to make. My advice would be to not do what I did. I said grad school is too too busy and I don't have time. And I waited mm. till after grad school to have okay. my children. And um, looking back, that was a mistake, mm. I think. You know, I see a lot of folks, um, you know, feel like they've got to get perfect grades on everything. And they they got to kind of follow the perfect, you know, um, standard for being a student. and being a, a parent doesn't seem to fit well with that. Mm. Um, and so I think that's, I think that's the thing is that it's not, it's actually just school. And when, you, as long as you can graduate, you don't have to be the best student or mm. have done every extracurricular project or whatever. So um, it's probably harder to start your career having young kids than it is to just, you know, maybe take an extra year in grad school, maybe slow down the pace a little bit, but to do it. Um, so I do regret that I didn't start having kids earlier, but I, you know, everybody has to make their own decision about how that's gonna fit into their plan. Um, yeah. And yeah, for me, I, I didn't wanna not work. So, uh -huh. you know, that's something that I've done, but I mean, I think that's also why I've chosen um, academia in part is I can, have a pretty flexible schedule. I'm mm. always home when my kids get off the bus. You know, I have a summer break of some some degree that we can spend a lot of time to push gardens or whatever and do yeah. the stuff that they need to be doing. So um, I do think it is important to have um, between the pair, right? Um, whether it's mom or dad or some combination, I think it's obviously important to have a structure that's gonna work for everyone, mm -hmm. um, including the children, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it's important to be to me to be a wife and a mother and a, I hope a good DCT for y'all <laughs> and instructor for y'all. So, you know, those are just things that you have to make sure you're making enough time for. Yeah. Um, jumping back real quick, you, you just said you hope being a good DCT and stuff for us all and. We, I was talking with uh, some of my classmates, and there is a very common consensus that what some of the most challenging courses here at Regent are the assessment ones, but they're also the most rewarding. And, you know, when we look back to IQ or to personality, those are always the ones where we struggled, but we come out knowing that we learned just a ton. And so even for that, even for you to have that kind of impact on us and on the, on the students here and you teaching some of the more difficult classes, but the classes that people walk away with, with the, maybe gaining the more, more amount of confidence or kind of, like you said, being able, there's some, just like with the, maybe a session, you can walk away and you're like, what did I really do? There are some classes here, um, regrettably, that you walk away from and you're like, what did I really learn? <laughs> so. Uh, so yeah, that's that's good for you to that that makes for your teaching and influence and impact. I think it's you have the right courses. 
I appreciate that. I don't know. You know, in the middle of it, though, you guys aren't so happy about it. It's only no, no. <laughs> with uh, the retrospect that you're able to say, you know, that was worth it. So yeah. um, that can be hard. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't I know I challenge you. And, um, you know, that's not unintentional that mm -hmm. I I I believe that you guys can be better than you think you can be when you're in the middle of PA. Yeah. And so I'm going to hold you kind of to that. Yeah. Uh, my one of my last questions was I was going to ask, looking back on your career, um, if you could change one thing, what would it be? You kind of mentioned the thing about with the children, but is there is that the one thing that you would change or do you have something else that maybe career wise? Not that I can think of. I'm not, but I'm not, I'm just not that kind of person that like yeah. regrets stuff, right? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, I'm pretty, I'm not impulsive. So, you know, <laughs> I'm pretty well thought out before I make a, a decision and move forward anyway. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of feel like um, there's no, there's no reason to like worry about something in the past or complain about something in the past, that uh -huh. it is what it was meant to be. And, um, even if it was, there were problems with it that I got something kind of from that. Yeah, good. Um, problem. So yeah, I mean, I have no real, um, you know, regrets about about um, where I am professionally. And then you always your your energy is insurmountable. <laughs> you're always running around. You're always busy. And um, where does that energy come from? Is that just like a love of your job or? I appreciate that? hearing that. I appreciate the feedback. Um, I don't know. Is it is that different than anybody else? Is it everybody else? It's like a crazy place, and we're all just running around frantically. Um, I think part of it is I try to just be efficient because I have so many different responsibilities. Mm. Um, you know, at home and at school, right? So when I'm at school, I'm going to be really efficient with my time mm. so that I can get home when my kids are getting off the bus uh -huh. and hopefully not have to stay up like all night still grading the papers because I didn't <laughs> get it done. And I have to be 100% for them because mm. me working, I'm, you know, I don't want that to, like I said, kind of negatively, right? It has to work for all of us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Hopefully yeah. I can keep that pace up then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Dr. Ron, this has been a real pleasure. I thank you again for taking the time. Of course. It was good to talk with you, Daniel. Yeah.